Let's go, episode five, take two. Okay, welcome back everyone. Uh, this is Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast uh, from Dublin and Yokohama. Um, it's episode five uh, and it's the second in a three-parter about Shinjuku, one of Tokyo's most iconic neighborhoods. We're actually <coughs> recording episode five the day after um, we've recorded episode four, which just shows how professional we're getting already, even after like three weeks of the podcast. James, just on the note of professionalism, you mentioned yesterday that um, I think you promised, I've got the evidence on WhatsApp, that the Bushmills would not be begun until the podcast had started recording. Is that correct? That is very correct. A very good evening to you, Philip, here. Um, I can promise our listeners that there is no Bushmills in the vicinity. However, there is a tall glass of Polaner Hefeweiss Dunkel, a dark German wheat beer, but it's a little bit lighter than the whiskey, so I will not be slurring my words on today's episode. My promise. Or at least not as much. Maybe. Not as much. Yeah. Not as quickly. Well, I, I've just had a nice cup of tea and some home-baked goods, uh, which has, you know, been keeping me going, obviously, in the lockdown. So, you know, being very productive in the kitchen. So we're going to talk about um, just two joints today, um, we decided. And we've kind of entitled the episode The Problem with Samurai, which we'll get to in the second half of the podcast. But we're going to kick off with Old Blind Cat. Um, and I think Old Blind Cat's, you know, it's one of those places, it's it's in the east exit of Shinjuku Station. And we, we chatted a little bit yesterday on, in episode four about what Shinjuku means in terms of, you know, Japanese culture and also, you know, just what the, the actual station's like itself. Um, I remember the, the evening we went to Old Blind Cat because, uh, predominantly because we're pretty lucky, I think, um, in that when we went there, we got to meet the owner, Kikuchi-san, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think you said that was maybe the first time that you'd met him as well, because in previous on previous occasions you'd been there and it was someone who was looking after the place that was maybe a, a little bit less welcoming than Kikuchi-san was, but luckily we got that great portrait of him, which, you know, has been exhibited quite a few times as part of the project, and it, it again, it was just one of those photographs where he just agreed and within the 30 35 seconds that i had he happened to position himself under this lamp uh at the bar and and the lighting was just perfect so it's a great picture and and it kind of shows him in the light that i remember and which was really friendly really really welcoming it's a gorgeous picture and and he's he is an, indeed a very friendly and welcoming guy and uh your memory is correct that's the first time that i'd met him because the usual guy that ran the old buying cat was sort of just the manager of the bar. Kikuchi-san was the owner, and Kikuchi-san was always at another bar in Shinjuku, in a different part of Shinjuku, that, that he also owned. So he wasn't usually there in the old buying cat, but um, the manager, Nishizaki-san, I think he fell ill, and so Kikuchi-san was coming by, and his wife was running the other joint. So we just got lucky to meet him there. Um, and yeah, that is that is one of my favorite pictures. And if I remember correctly, you used this on the postcard for our first ever exhibition about two years ago is that right yeah it was on one of the flyers i don't think it was the first exhibition but it was definitely mm. sort of as like a pro a promotional card for the project yeah and i still have a few copies uh lying around the house here um I, the bar itself is kind of like i mean it's it's like a sort of an old kind of railway bar almost isn't it it's pretty 
Exactly. It's, it's obviously, Rail, yeah. Railroad railroad shaped bar, long, narrow, yeah. um, very, very subterranean. It's it's B2, as they say in Japan, the second basement, which um, if you combine the second basement down with the narrowness uh, of your average Tokyo jazz bar, um, this is not a place that people who are even remotely claustrophobic would be comfortable in yeah as yeah. you can see from the picture the real the one you have of of the entire bar i mean it's very dark very narrow and very deep um and extremely was, smoky if my memory is correct yeah it was pretty it was pretty um no frills from what i remember i mean he was a lovely old guy but um it was definitely sort of you know had a down on its luck kind of feel. I, mean, I remember the walls photographing the walls that were just kind of had loads of graffiti sort of scratched into the paint. And um, there was that odd sort of um, rack, like luggage rack that went across the wall above the tables and stuff like that. But we were the only two people in it uh, when we went down that night. Um, and uh, I mean, beautiful old place, but um, mm. definitely, definitely no frills and, and um, you know, not much to talk about sort of in t terms of the aesthetic really but what's interesting about the old blind cat was that it, yeah it com combined with that very very rundown feel though it's one of the few places that had a video screen and he actually would be showing not only jazz um concert dvds but i remember one night when i was there i don't think i was with you but uh, one night when i was there um he was actually showing the live stream from smalls in new york city uh smalls the famous jazz club which was doing live streaming a lot earlier than other people were and he would record it uh, because of the time change obviously it would be morning in japan when the gigs were on in new york and then he would show them that night and i remember being really really sort of fascinated by that because i'd never been in a bar where where anybody was showing um you know live streaming before and it was certainly not the kind of atmosphere you would expect to be in the, the picture you have of his old amplifier here is more indicative of the atmosphere of old blind cat the first picture on the website you know and it doesn't um, really um i suppose it's the, i mean it, it's an interesting kind of contradiction isn't it because the places that and the way that we tend to talk about them is that you know they're really they are they have, they are of course disappearing, but you know they're they're kind of just the way that they were X number of years ago and are just sort of slowly deteriorating until they close. But that that's an interesting kind of example where almost bucking the trend slightly, where you're bringing in you know kind of newer technology and um, and updating or modernizing a little bit because you know as we know like a lot of the places have only a landline, certainly don't have a website, or if if they do, it's one of those kind of early websites with like. Lots of blue and yellow and pink screens and things yes, that you can't yes. really read. So yes. it, it's cool that he was kind of um, taking, you know, I suppose trying to make some changes and, and adapt. Yeah, a and I, I think that, and we'll cover this in much more depth on a later episode. But you know, in order to survive, um, a lot of these joints have started to modernize in certain ways because. They've got to adapt as the customers, you know, the old customers change, the new demographic comes in, and and if you don't change, you're gonna, you're just gonna go out of business very quickly. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll go into that in a later one. The other thing that's very interesting about the old blind cat, um, especially for our listeners who are outside of Japan but who do know a bit about Japan, the famous author uh, Murakami, uh, Murakami Haruki, he used to work at this bar when he was a student. Um, this bar has been opened since uh, I. think think the early 1960s maybe 61 or 62 um the original owner there uh you know used to hire students uh, you know to come and work on the bar and and uh, murakami was one of those he worked here not very long i think he worked there for about a year um, but he, as anybody who's read his books knows he's a huge jazz fan 
And uh, he went on to open his own jazz cafe a couple years later before becoming a full-time author. So um, if you poke around online, if you type in Old Blind Cat Haruki Murakami, you'll find quite a few people who've mentioned it on their their own personal travel blogs uh, visiting Japan um, who've come by to take a picture. Um, very often because, you know, they've seen it either on my site or they've seen uh, on a, a Murakami fan blog. Um, and, you know, definitely like in Shinjuku, like we talked about, I mean, the history of Shinjuku is very much tied up into the history of jazz in Tokyo uh, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of appropriate that he would have been the guy that was working there you know yeah I, I was doing a bit of digging actually about that just to see if I could tie that down I, I found I think it was 65 um, and I, I remember something about us talk I remember us talking to the guy about when they opened and sort of calculating that so that would mean this year it's 50 it's been there for 55 years but obviously Murakami went to Waseda University which is based in the Shinjuku area and um so he would have had easy access to this place. I thought it was interesting because his his place that he started, I think it started in one area over in Kokobunji and then they moved to Sendagaya in Tokyo, but it was called Peter Cat. So I wondered if that cat thing had come, you know, from the old blind cat, because I think he definitely, you know, he he frequented that place. And, and as you said, he worked there as well, a bit part time. And I wonder if that's where the cat inspiration came from. If you yeah, took that he's, name he's, with him. He's, you know? he's also got a thing about cats, doesn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that sort of, yeah, that I didn't even realize that that all ties in together, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be listening to the podcast and, uh, you know, he can, um, messages on social media or whatever and uh correct us if we're wrong you know because we know obviously he's a big probably one of the most famous japanese jazz fans i'd say um, yeah good, so good yeah. sponsor good sponsor potential for our our coffee table book absolutely yeah so that's that's all blind cat um that was sort of i think around the middle of the project you know mm-hmm. in terms of if, if we're looking at sort of i say three and a half years that you know that i was there and, and shooting pretty consistently with you um so then let's move on to, to the big uh, joint for this episode, which, of course, is Samurai. And, and like, this is my memory of, of the story, and I've dined out on this story a few times, so don't burst my bubble if, if it's completely wrong. Um, but I remember really clearly, you know, when we were kind of brainstorming places to go and we're chatting about and putting together this list of, you know, where should we go next? And I, I remember you kind of raising samurai very clearly and and you kind of approached it from the point of view you, you said you know like there's this great place called samurai you know i know the guy uh, i've been there in fact when my uh, son was born um after i left the hospital i went there had a drink sort of wet the baby's head and the owner actually i think you know said some sort of prayer or, or blessing in japanese you know for your son and then i thought well that sounds fantastic and then you sort of dropped this bombshell which was of course that you know, in recent years, this owner who, uh, as you can see from the pictures, is obsessed with John Coltrane, obsessed with jazz, obsessed with Maniki Neko, is also uh, sort of politically started to lean towards the right and has kind of become involved in this network of, of uh, support for kind of more right wing um, sort of pro uh, imperial Japan, pro emperor uh, kind of political organizations. And and you know, you seem to be a little bit conflicted um, about whether we should go there and photograph the place or not. And I remember my response sort of being, well, 
Yeah, but, you know, in some ways I, I, I totally got where you were coming from, but then I suppose also you know, <clears throat> part of the project is to kind of document what we find. And so, you know, that's the reality of what Samurai is like. And, and um, you know, probably if, if you get chatting to a lot of the owners, you may not necessarily agree with their politics around various issues. So we kind of made the decision in the end together to just go and, and photograph it and, uh and include the the place in the project. Um, is that is that kind of your memory of it as well, or do you want to tell us maybe a little bit that story about about the night you went there um, after your son was born? Well, sure, sure. I mean, and I I, I think the the first thing to say is 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 uh, based on you know what we come to know about uh, Miyazaki-san, the owner. But the name the samurai is a little misleading because people might think right away, oh, well, of course it's a Japanese nationalist right wing bar, but that's mm. that's a little bit misleading. It's called the samurai, and you did get a great picture of it uh, because on the front door of the bar is a is a postcard of the French movie Les Samurai starring Alain Delon where he plays a hitman who is lives a sort of a samurai lifestyle. The original owner of the bar was a big fan of this movie. So he named his bar Samurai, but he used the Japanese phonetic alphabet called katakana. He didn't use the kanji, the Chinese character for a real samurai. So a Japanese person right away knows that that there's something different about it. It's not referring to the Bushido samurai, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I've been a customer of the samurai since I was a student in Japan um, from 2000 when I had come back to Japan and was in university. Um, I used to go there on Saturday afternoons because uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. he would have free jazz Saturday afternoons. And I don't, I don't mean free by cost. I mean free, like heavy, heavy, cacophonous, improvisational jazz. And there would only ever be three customers there. It would be myself, it would be the professor, a, a Japanese older guy who was translating French literature. He never said a word the three years that I saw him there on Saturday afternoons. It was incredible. He just would look at me, he would nod, and then he would go back down to doing his translating of French books into Japanese. Perfect. Um, and then there was this young guy there who dressed, I'm not joking, who dressed like Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby. He had a kind of like the hat, the suspenders, the tie, glasses, slick back hair. Again, never said a word, would just nod to me and would sit there smoking and reading his manga, dressed like Jay Gatsby. And then me in the corner, listening to like really heavy records by, I mean, whoever you could think of, you know, Ornette Coleman, I mean, much even heavier than that, you know? So I've been a customer of the Samurai for years. And um, yeah, like you said, uh, when my son was born around the corner from the Samurai at JR Shinjuku Hospital, um, you know, so I come out of the hospital, I'm obviously walking on air. Um, I go by the Samurai and I speak to Miyazaki-san, the owner, he knows me by now. I've been going there for three or four years at that point. And, um, and he sits me down and he says, you know, listen, children are, are, are gifts. They're gifts from the gods. And, uh, you know, you need to, you need to understand what, what, what a special time this is. And then he, he says like a kind of a Shinto type prayer. Shinto is the indigenous religion of Japan. And he gives me a whiskey and we, you know, we toast and we drink. And I'm, obviously I will never forget that memory. You know, that's a, that's a very special thing that he did for me. And at this point, I consider this guy to be a friend of mine. Uh, we had spent many hours talking about music, about jazz, but also about, and as you can see from the pictures that you've taken, you mentioned the manneki neko. For our listeners outside Japan, that's the cat with its arm raised. Um, Which I'm sure everyone has probably seen, you know, they're, they're pretty commonplace now, but um, yeah, yeah but you see them in Chinese restaurants a lot in, in New York or around the world, you know. So but to say to say he's obsessed with it probably is a, is an understatement because when you when you look at the just the sheer volume of of 
these cats that he has collected and displayed around the, the place. Well, there's, it's over, there's over right? 3,000 of them in the bar. It's yeah, incredible, it's incredible. Yeah. Pe- people have been sending him uh, from overseas, you know. So he actually explained to me his whole philosophy about the Maneki Neko, how they came from Egypt, and that how Japanese philosophy and religion is a mixture of uh, ancient Egyptian, Chinese, Indian, Pan-Asian, etc., etc., philosophical things. So he, he's quite the... Uh, how can we say he's quite the uh, spaced out guy a little bit hard yeah, to understand yeah. Uh, yeah. but he was always very kind to me and he, he always very kind and loving and I used to bring people here I brought foreign journalists I you know I'd bring friends there and then uh, you know I, I used to meet the regulars who were all these kind of old ex-hippies from the 60s the real Shinjuku underground culture you know that we mentioned on the previous episode um, there's even a you mentioned John Coltrane there's even a gigantic poster of Terayama the great theater director and film director who was very involved in the leftist scene in Shinjuku in the 60s. So my view of Miyazaki-san was that he was this old hippie guy, you know? And then one day I I happened to connect to him on Facebook and and I saw something that, and I wasn't sure, was I reading it correctly or not? And I called my wife. I was like, this looks like it's some sort of anti-Korean propaganda. And she read it and she knew Miyazaki-san as well. She'd been there. And uh, she was like, oh my God. And we started looking through his social media stuff and it was it was pretty dark it was pretty dark i, yeah. I don't, don't want to go into it too deeply but it's pretty dark uh it was pretty uh borderline racist uh towards you know other asians um and very nationalist right wing and and i was so surprised I, I was literally speechless um and i contacted one of the regular customers there who i knew one of his friends and i said um yeah did miyazaki san sort of go on to the other side politically and uh, <laughs> this was so funny because the response i got from one of the regular customers in samurai just was basically laughter it was like oh yeah just he did that a couple years ago just ignore him he's just going off on a on a whim i mean he's just being silly so all of his old leftist customers these old underground shinjuku japanese you know fighters against the government theater people music people you know film people they still go to the bar Mm. even though he is now not even just posting online about it but um he's actually hosted a couple of talk events in the bar about like you know how japan needs to fight against china and china's evil country and sort of you know the kind of propaganda stuff you see on the right wing in japan so i started to feel at that time i started to feel really uncomfortable Mm. um whether i should go there and and that was right when i moved to yokohama so you know i wasn't in the neighborhood anyway so by the time you and i started the project I think this had already been about, you know, five, six, seven years past, and I had not been there for a long time. And and I was very conflicted, you know. I, I really didn't know whether, is, should I be bringing people to this place when it's something I don't really agree with the politics? I find it a bit offensive. Um, but as you said, you know, what we're doing on this project and what you would do on a lot of photo products is, is to document. It's not judging. Let people make their judgments themselves, you know? So um, I Yeah, have... I mean, I think uh, you get an interesting, probably in, if you scour through some of the photos that, you know, the thing that that reminds me of is in other bars you, you get... Um, you get these kind of statues of, of uh, little kind of... Um, what's the word? Uh little kind of models and characters or statues of, of jazz musicians that, you know, you might be familiar with seeing back in maybe the 20s and 30s that probably nowadays, 
you generally certainly wouldn't are, aren't made and you know they're probably based a sort of along kind of racial stereotype oh, lines well, and, and you still quite I mean, often we, we, see those right we've you know? seen it in the soul music bars where they've got the yeah. little you know the, the, yeah. the sambo dolls and i mean it, it's just yeah. they just they just don't understand what it means you know yeah, yeah. um i mean but you, it, you, mm. you get a good example of it in um if you look at one of the photos i mean just what we're talking about you know there's one particular picture with um sort of a, a poster uh, with the Maniki Neko, actually, and then the old Japanese imperial flag um, and, you know, some slogans down the side. And I think just below that actually are some flyers for these kind of talk events you mentioned. I remember them being on the table. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's pro impo probably important to contextualize it too. And I think, you know, Japan, like like a lot of places, I suppose, there are these contradictions. And, um, you know, even with this kind of nationalist and this kind of racist rhetoric, it, it tends to be sort of selective as well. And, and particular groups are, are sort of targeted to be scapegoated. And generally with this kind of stuff, it tends to be the, the Chinese and the Koreans. But, you know, to put that in into context, you know, we came in um, the, the night that we photographed and, you know, uh, he couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he wasn't, he's not an effusive guy. He's not someone who's sort of in your face, you know, he, he but he, I remember him greeting us. Uh, yeah. I think you hadn't been in, you hadn't been in for a while, so it was kind of like oh you know long time no see. Oh, but didn't, I, I didn't, pay for, didn't pay for the drinks. Yeah, yeah and I distinctly free. remember yeah. that he wouldn't take any money. So yeah. you know, yeah. and and you can see from the photograph, you know, once we sat down and and just kind of started to listen to music and and have our drinks and and photograph, he just kind of got on with his own thing, and um, you know, like really pleasant experience. I mean, again, when you describe that place on a Sunday, um, you know, with these characters, it probably sounds to people like like we're exaggerating. It sounds like something from like the start of a film but like genuinely somewhere like samurai that's exactly what it's like you know it's, yeah, it, completely it's like, like you that. couldn't actually make it up you know no, the reality no, of no, what is a, there is, not is better at all. you know with, with all of the cats with the music with the record albums which you've also got a great picture of he rotates the that record wall you know yeah. if somebody's died for example like this one it happened just to be cat cat cover albums but but man I'm, you know it, it, it's crazy i mean miyazaki-san was just a he was just a beautiful dude man i mean i really love the guy and and I loved going there. I went there for many many years and and um, so when I discovered that side to him, it was so it was it was shocking, it was disturbing, but it was also really confusing because I couldn't I could not um, put together how could he be so kind to me? I am a foreigner. I am a guest in this country. Um, I've married a Japanese person. Is that something that he disapproves of because he believes in sort of keeping Japan pure? But at the mm. same time, he's been really kind to me. And, yeah. and he's been nothing but kind to me over the years. So, you know, it's it, it, it was a real dilemma. And, and I did I did stay away for quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I stopped going for a couple years. Um, and um, it still it still kind of bugs me. I, and I don't know whether it's something that I should be maybe maybe I should take a stricter stand about. Um, you know, because it goes against my personal beliefs. But at the same time, I'm 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 so fascinated too because how can he, how can he talk to me about sort of like you know the universal consciousness of Hinduism and Buddhism and John Coltrane? I mean, he this guy gave me an hour long conversation about how John Coltrane united jazz. Buddhism and Hinduism, and I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Like, I, I, I mean, it was all in Japanese anyway, but even in English, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. But the records sound cool, and you're really sincere, and you know, I love you, you know. So yeah. he would go on about this, and he would put these pictures. You know, he's John Coltrane, Saint John. You know, the man who preached love for for yeah. everyone, and then at the same time, you will have a panel of 
of of racists doing a talk event, uh, yeah. uh, racists against Chinese people in your bar. That that is so schizophrenic. Um, but you know, Philip, look, we've seen it in our countries, right? We've seen it in America, where I'm from. Um, people who were racists, virulently racists in the past, but they would have black people raise their children, for example. You know, yeah, yeah. and you being from Northern Ireland, you're well aware of you know racism, hatred, and sectarianism. So yeah, we have our own we have our own type of racism. But anyway, we're not going to get into that on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, maybe say that for another podcast. Um, <laughs> But, but it is so, interesting in the jazz context, for sure, because, uh, you know, we, we've seen these jazz owners, like you said, we don't know what they're thinking personally, but we know they love jazz and they've embraced this foreign culture, yeah, you know, bringing yeah. in from America. So I'm still intrigued by the guy. And one day I would like to go back and talk to him about it. And who knows? I mean, you know, these things can come and go as well. I mean, you may find that, you know, he's mellowed again or, or in a different way. And, and, and you know, it's just kind of put that behind who, who knows you know and, and yeah. like you say it's not necessarily for us to judge that that's yeah. not to say in any way that we agree with, with and those that was ideas. what the cust- that was what his regular customer said they were like oh just ignore him he's just acting crazy yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. They, they were all still going there so i was like okay which, guys are still which i out. suppose we know from living in japan you know sometimes that kind of attitude can, can bring its own problems as well but um <laughs> but we did we did go back then um, memorably i think as well actually to samurai because uh, it was a kind of a sweaty friday afternoon i remember rushing there after after work uh, and I actually was with my wife at the time and because I had just told her uh, at some point during the day that we were in actual fact going over uh, to um, be interviewed for a video that um, Jack Steadman who at that time from Bombay Bicycle Club at the time and and he was putting together his Mr. Jukes album and, and uh, he was putting together like a sampler video uh, called 6,000 Miles for a Sample uh, and my wife was a big fan of Bombay Bicycle Club, and she was like, "How? What? Why? Why did? How? How? How come? What? Why? Why did you not tell me this?" So I remember she tagged along and was kind I of speechless. She was, um, she was extremely glowing that day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to Samurai, and I think that was that was one of the places we filmed. Um, I think we maybe did the interview, if I remember, sort of out, was it out on the balcony? Or I remember standing out on the balcony while you were doing yours yeah, and then no, switching he, they, out. I think yeah. the director asked us to just be separate so we wouldn't overlap our talking. But um, yeah. yeah, that's right. Shout out to Jack. Um, it was great. It was great to do that. And and he was um, he was really supportive because he had found uh, my website and then and, and on his tours in Japan, I think he might have even come on his own, had went around to all the jazz kisaten um, and loved them and then when he started the, the Mr. Jukes project you know he wanted to do uh, some videos you know to to do some promo videos there so he I think he contacted you directly or or the director knew you and contacted you that's yeah, how he hooked it up right I can't remember what the sort of chronology of it was but I just remember it being um kind of a hot Friday afternoon and I remember thinking um I really should have paid more attention to my hair um, <laughs> in, in the humidity. But, you know, we live and learn. We live and learn. You, well, you, 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 you said your hair. I remember because I forgot that the interview happened. It happened to be a really big Yankees game that day. So I showed up wearing my Yankees hat backwards and a New York Yankees jersey. I had my full American on that day, forgetting that I was going to be in the video. <laughs> so yeah. you, you see me in the video with my baseball cap backwards and my Yankees jersey. Well, we, gotta, we can't uh, forget to link this up. Up, uh, on today's podcast uh, page as well, so people can check out that little promo video. It's a good one. Yeah, you can get it on the on the website. So if you go into the exhibitions page on the Tokyo Jazz Joints website at www.tokyojazzjoints.com, uh, you can get the uh, video. It's on there in the 2000. 2000- 
eighteen God was it that long ago. Two thousand eighteen section of of uh, you know places we've been featured in the media and different exhibitions and stuff like that. I think he was inspired, wasn't he? By didn't he hear a Grant Green sample? And was it in uh, that's 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 right. No, he heard a Grant Green track in, track, in, yeah, in yeah. one of the in one of the jazz keys that he went to and um, really fell in love with it and and started listening to the records. And so he, with his new Mister Jukes project, I think he he the first single was called Grant Green. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he took that sample and and. Uh, yeah, turned it. It's a great album as well. In fact, I I think then when I left Japan and we moved here, um, he very kindly um got me a couple of tickets to go see him uh down at Electric Picnic, which is a big festival in Ireland. So we we schlepped down there. Nice. No no car. Uh, we rented a car, drove down, saw him, uh, and uh, stayed for a couple other bands and came back up. Um, and that was the last um time i've been in contact with him but yeah he's a big uh, big jazz fan big jazz joints fan as well so that was a really nice way to go back to to samurai and kind of experience in a different way yeah um, yeah i i've not been uh, i think i went back once after that after you left japan i took um i took some old um an old tv crew friend of mine who were back shooting in town they had been there years ago so they wanted to go drink there again and i didn't want to tell them the whole story because they would have probably just been like what you know it's still yeah, a little bit yeah, hard yeah. to understand that you, you know it gets really deep as as you mentioned so you know we went and had drinks so that's the last time i've been there um but i'll, I'll probably once this this whole terrible covid 19 situation ends um I, I'll, I'll start checking up on all of the old joints um just to see who's been able to stay open you know uh, yeah. because it's it's tough um it's a tough situation at the moment and as 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 we've already talked about these a lot of these cafes are in a precarious position at the best of times yeah, yeah. so in a time like this with no safety net um you know three months closed could 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 mean you know could mean the end so well, until it does end, and fingers crossed, it's that sooner rather than later. Um, you can certainly fill some time and experience the jazz joints a little bit uh, in the way that we've done by by going to the website Tokyo Jazz Joints and, and have a look. Uh, they're all organised on there by by uh, alphabetical order, and you can look at ones in Tokyo. Uh, you can look at ones in the regions. What we're going to start doing now, week by week, is is putting a direct link on the podcast um, and also on the website uh, podcast page to the the photographs of the joints that we discuss each week. So that's a kind of a quick shortcut for you mm-hmm. to to check out the uh, the photos as we're talking about them. Um, again, also like thanks for all the reviews um, and for the feedback and the listens. It's it's really fantastic. We're delighted. Uh, you know, I expected when we began, we'd have about you know, 17 listens or so, something like that, just a few mad jazz fans and, and J- Japanophiles, but it's fantastic to see that we've got that kind of listenership. And got a hundred times really that. Oh, and a quick, quick bit of info, um, uh, just about the topic of, you know, supporting the the jazz cafe world um as as everybody knows you know all the shops are closed right now so a lot of them are doing various things whether it's streaming or fundraising um the the very old and classic cafe called eagle in tokyo uh, run by goto-san which has been open for 50 years um they of course are closed right now um they just put out on the web that they are selling a bunch of goods uh, t-shirts um some books some hats various other little sundries um so so if you are interested in that, uh, check out my Twitter feed at Mark Mister OK Jazz Tokyo. I have copied it there. Um, if you can't navigate in the Japanese, just contact me. I will help you. But please try to support these places. I've already ordered a T-shirt, Philip. I expect you to order a hat, and you know support these guys because they need they need the help. You know. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to thank you also for using the word sundries on the podcast. I, I didn't expect that would happen as early as episode five, but um, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> Equally, if you're ever interested in buying any photographs from the Tokyo Jazz project, um, uh, th- there are prints for sale. And um, yeah, it's it's a nice thing to have on your wall um, because, quite frankly, you know, why wouldn't you? Because, uh, you know, we've all got a lot more time to sit and stare at the walls. So you that, might as well look at the wall. We, we, we need to get some t shirts made up, don't you think? It's there about you go. Time. See? Yeah. Yeah. See? Anyway, listen, we're going to leave Shinjuku part two, um, the problem with samurai, right there. Uh, and we're going to pick up Shinjuku in a final uh, installment, part three, next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about what Shinjuku's like today, how it's changing, and how rapidly it's changing. Uh, and also a couple of places um, that we visited that really reflect um, that pace and that type of change that we're seeing in Shinjuku. Jazz so, Pepe! Can't wait to talk about yep, that one. Yeah, one of my <laughs> favorite stories. So listen, in the meantime, you take it easy. Go easy on the Bushmills. Go we'll, easy on the bear. We'll, we'll do. It's uh, Saturday night and rocking North Yokohama. Quiet as can be out in the streets. But, uh, yes, I've got another beer and some new music to get to tonight, actually. so But that's well, for, I'll save that for my other podcast. It's called OK Jazz. Please listen. Yeah, yeah. See, the plugs are just carrying. The plugs are just, <laughs> they're just out of control now. So, listen, take it easy. We'll talk next week. Uh, Can't wait. And until then, stay safe, man. Okay, All the best. you too, bud. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. See ya. Bye.